My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. This week's episode, we talk with Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Holland and Barrett and former co-host of the SEO SAS podcast. We talk with Hannah about her beginnings in general digital marketing and how that led her to SEO over a decade ago. She shares how she started at a software company and then moved into many different verticals, including legal, education, agencies, bathroom supplies, fitness, and now nutrition. She discusses her best and worst experiences and so much more. For our core topic, we discuss podcasting and SEO. What went into her decision to start the SEO SAS podcast with Sarah McDowell? Her favorite experiences, biggest learnings, what it was like to make it to 100 episodes, her best podcasting advice, and why she ultimately decided to step away. Finally, we answer more Twitter questions of the week and award some more Page 2 podcast merchandise. So get your popcorn ready as we tell Hannah's SEO story and have another great roundtable discussion. Hey, everybody, this is Jacob Stoops, and we are back with episode 70. We're breaking into the sevens of the Page 2 podcast. Uh, If you don't know me, I am an SEO director at Search Discovery, uh, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. Jeff Luella, Senior Technical SEO at The Wirecutter, a division of the New York Times. How's it going, Jeff? Hey, howdy, hey. Things are going great. Hey, howdy, hey. Things are going great. I'm just optimizing my vitals, you know. Your core, vitals, web vitals. core web vitals, all my vitals. All of your vitals, the vital signs. Uh, so, Jeff, we are we are now in our uh, seventh decade or so, or so, I guess, if you if you do it by episode count, not really by time, our seventh decade, our 70th episode. This is crazy. It is nuts. Um, I didn't think by. I was going to make it past 30, so. Yeah, you thought you'd be fired after 30? Yeah, I mean, I started at 25, so. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty cool. So uh, just so everybody knows kind of how we're, we're working, we do seasons in 25 episode batches. So we are going to make it to episode 75, and then we are going to ride off into the sunset for the, for the summer, uh, and we will be back in the fall. I guess it's kind of like a TV show, but uh, yeah, yeah. We are going on holiday. Yeah, we're going on holiday, uh, you know, every 25 episodes, we, we need a kind of a cleanser. Uh, so, so yeah, so we've got, uh, after this episode, five more episodes in the season. And then season three is in the books, man. It's crazy. It is nuts. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we've got a very special episode today. So uh, we are actually going to be kind of completing a connection uh, of sorts with another SEO podcast. So uh, we're going to bring on our we're going to bring on our guest. So our guest today uh, is Hannah Bryce, formerly of the SEO SAS podcast and the SEO manager at Holland and Barrett. How's it going, Hannah? Good, thank you. It's uh, it's it's weird to be referred to as a former former host, but it's quite nice to be 
kind of uh, yeah this is the way to announce that from my side so yeah cool <laughs> yeah we are excited to to have you on and i would say um so this is the kind of the last step in completing the connection uh because we've had sarah on the podcast before uh and jeff and i have both been on your podcast uh, although it's funny because I, Jeff, I don't know. Did were you with both Hannah and Sarah when you went on? No, just Sarah. Just Sarah, <laughs> and I was also just with Sarah. So we've actually never met Hannah. So this is completing yeah. the connection. We finally met Hannah. It has come. Uh, it has come full circle. It's nice to meet you, Hannah. Nice to meet you. <laughs> you too. Yes. Um, <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so kind of before we before we get started, uh, we like to uh, like to touch on a, a couple of things. So first things first, uh, we want to talk about kind of one thing that uh, we've been doing all season. It's near and dear to our hearts, and that is uh, United Search. Uh, so I'm going to do a quick live read for United Search, uh, and then of course we're going to talk about the late great Hamlet uh, Batista. Uh, so for United Search. So are you looking to break into SEO conference speaking, but not sure how? Are you feeling that you are not well represented within the current SEO speaking circuit and want to change that? We at the Page Two Podcast would like to take the opportunity to let users know about United Search, a new organization and first of its kind SEO speaker accelerator dedicated to ending the implicit bias in SEO that keeps BIPOC, LBGTQIA+, and women in the margins of our industry. Their credo is diverse SEO equals better SEO. United Search offers mentoring advice from people with real world practical SEO experiences in order to give students the skills they need to be able to deliver an amazing presentation on any stage and the network they need to land gigs all at no cost to the student. How does this work? Well, it's pretty simple. United Search connects a cohort of the best pitches they can source with the top mentors in their subject matter. After working with their mentors to develop their talk, they will host a live stream event where students get to present to SEO experts and receive positive constructive feedback. Graduates of this SEO accelerator will get the benefit of top-notch mentorship, public speaking training, a video reel, lots of positive feedback, as well as a foot in the door to help find and land speaking gigs and access to amazing community an amazing community of SEO professionals. What does this mean for our podcast? As a sponsor and advocate, we're committed to regularly showing stats that illustrate our commitment to diversity on this podcast, and we've made the pledge to diversify, meaning that 60% of our guests will come from underrepresented groups, including women, BIPOC, BAME, LGTBQIA+, as well as representation for people with disabilities and those who are 55 plus in and older. If this sounds of interest to you, visit unitedsearch.org to learn more about becoming a student or mentor or visit them on Twitter at search underscore united. Great organization. Uh, really yes. doing some, some, uh, some, some really good things uh, and uh, beginning to kind of get things kind of up and running. Uh, you know, I've definitely been seeing kind of more and more coming, uh, coming from them as people are kind of uh, going through the uh through the process there so really good stuff we're uh happy and proud to to promote and uh we're more of an informal partner uh but still we want to make sure we promote that organization um so so jeff i'm gonna put you put you a little bit on the spot did, did you want to talk about uh hamlet and and rank sense today 
I do it all the time. I figure I'll kick it over to you. <laughs> yeah, I think you know more about them than I than I do. I mean, I, I know Hamlet and and yeah, I'm going through the GoFundMe. I think um, it seems like it might have stalled out a little bit. I hope we can get it going a little bit more to, to reach the final mm-hmm. goal. Um, but I think it was at sixty three thousand five hundred and something, um, which is good. But overall, I mean, I think the 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 GoFundMe is like super important, but also like his legacy of, of rank sense, um, which was a, to me is a great tool. Um, I, I mean, I wish I kind of had a need to, to use it more. Um, and on the agency side, I could definitely see that being needed. Um, luckily I have a team of engineers on my, on my end that we can get things implemented. Um, and it just takes some like buying a lot of coffee and begging, um, to get for it, to get it done. But on the agency side, like there was just times where we couldn't get anything in there and, and rank sense really helped helps in, in that light and really helps a lot of uh, businesses that can't fix their CMS problems or, or, or don't have the manpower behind it to be able to use uh, this like new edge SEO techniques to be able to update a lot of the stuff on there. And I know you've been through demos, Jake, so um, I, I'm not sure of all the functionality of it because I, I haven't even demoed mm-hmm. it before, but um, I mean, what were some of the things that you took away from when you demo? I mean, are you using it at search discovery now? We're trying. We really, yeah. really are trying. It is one of those things where, um, because it's like a you know it's a paid tool, uh, you you have to convince your clients to do it. And don't get me wrong, we have plenty of clients that absolutely have a need and can't implement anything, not anything, but struggle for struggle with implementation yeah. uh, greatly that would be excellent candidates. So this is something we're trying to pursue uh, and make that uh, make that connection. We unfortunately yeah. haven't made the uh, haven't made the connection, but I'm a believer. Um, you know, I've been on the I've been on the demo uh, now a couple of times. Uh, it is an amazing, uh, an amazing tool. Uh, it's a meta CMS, uh, which locks on to uh, your site's content and allows you to update uh, uh, any pretty much most on-page uh, elements. If you want to update the page title, the meta description, you want to inject content, you want to update the H1, you want to add schema, uh, you can pretty much do just about anything you want to do on the page. And the great thing about it is it's as simple as editing a Google Sheet, yeah. um, which is uh, amazing. Uh, and it all works out on the edge, right? So it's not fixed at the source, but it works out on the edge and it, the tool uh, will uh, allow you, once you make these changes to collect data about the incremental value uh, of your change. And it'll give you a really irrefutable business case to go back to your development team and say like, look, we made this change and this was the result. We need to roll it out across the site, commit it to the regular code. Right. Which is um, so valuable. It's just it's, because, yeah. well, just, just to be able to get, like I said, I have engineers to get stuff implemented, but at that time, I don't know if it's going to work or not. Like I, I believe it's going to work All my research and theory prove that it's going to work, but until it gets launched, we don't know what that incremental like lift will be. And being able to run a test yeah. beforehand um, is interesting. And yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's AB testing tools out there. That's great for testing things like, you know, is this content better than this content or should I change my button colors or should I do like a lot of like any of those AB tests, but SEOs is really can't use AB testing tools. One, because they like Google usually ignores them and two, like 
you can't show two different content on one piece of page, like on one page and actually have Google like respect that. So you, you, you being able to roll it out on a set of pages beforehand, before you get engineering involved can really help, especially things with like schema. Um, we're always wanting to do schema tests on ours. And, and right now we need engineering time to be able to run that schema test on there. But I think being able to have a tool like RankSense would be great for that to just have the SEO team roll things out collect that data and improve it and then push it to the developers to implement. So uh, one thing is for sure though, Jeff thrives when I put him on the spot because <laughs> he didn't know I was going to do that. I knew I was going to do that. And I just <laughs> wanted to watch Jeff sweat a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> um, all right, Hannah, uh, speaking of putting people on the spot, uh, I think it's your time. You are now on the hot seat. Um, so, uh, as everybody knows, this show is predicated on uh, telling, uh, you know, where, pe where SEOs come from, what's your, you know, what's your background, uh, trials and tribulations, what is it like to be an SEO? So tell us your, your background. How did you become an SEO? Where did you start? How did you get where you are today? Um, it's not a very uh, unique story, to be honest. So I started off in marketing. And in my very first marketing role, um, we I sort of remapped a website, absolutely loved that side of things. And then when it came to, right, how do we get visitors to this thing? Um, we got a couple of agencies in and it was at the time where SEA was becoming a much bigger thing. This is literally about 11 years ago. Um, and I remember saying to my boss, I reckon I could do this. So we didn't hire anyone and I did it uh, and then loved it. And I, I will still say to this day that having had experience of all aspects of marketing and being a massive lover of digital marketing, I still think that SEO is the most important one, most important channel. We, yes, and being an SEO, of course, I, of course <laughs> I agree with you. Um, I think it depends on, it depends on the client. Like I have clients where yes, SEO is the, the dominant channel. I have some clients where SEO or, um, uh, social is the dominant channel. It just, it's funny. It's a typical SEO. I always say it depends. Um, <laughs> what, what did you, what did you do before you were an SEO? Um, so I was just doing general marketing. So I started off at a software company. And uh, I was doing sort of anything from big exhibitions in London to, like I say, remapping websites, direct mail, um, when that was a <laughs> thing. Um, well, email campaign, social media. Um, I went on to do that at a couple of places. Um, but like I say, the SEO side of it was where I got most of my results and where, I mean, what, what I love about SEO is you can be creative as well as analytical. You can get into the data but then you can do things that are really um, exciting and innovative and yeah I just thought well this is this is the channel for me really and then decided to to specialize in that and and did you go to school for for marketing or did you did you go for something else um, I went to university to study broadcast journalism, but it was at the stage uh, where in the UK we were about to enter a, a, into a recession. And um, I'd already had a gap year and I'd been earning okay money. And it got to the point where uh, the sort of, it was in the, the first week is in Freshers' Week. 
and uh, the lecturers were saying there's just no jobs at the end of this at the moment the guys who are doing the course will be ahead of you they'll they'll be getting all the experience and they'll be the ones getting the jobs because there just aren't jobs at the end of this so I thought well, I don't really want to waste 30 grand in three years so I left, um, after Fresh Week and uh, where do uh, I studied marketing evenings at college instead um, so yeah, I got my, my marketing qualifications and that enabled me to get a marketing job. So I was getting the experience at the same time as studying, which um, I think probably gave me a bit of a, a, a really good step forward. And uh, so that that makes sense. So an, another, uh, I don't know, how do, uh, how do people in the UK say a journo, journo, journalist, journo? Uh, yeah, so that is not, it's funny. Um, I feel like the, the, I think it was 2007, 2008, the, the recession right around that time, uh, at least as it relates to the people that we've interviewed who have been in the journalism field or were trying to get into the journalism field, which probably represents five to 10% of all of the people that we've, that we've interviewed across this podcast, um, it's it's insane. I feel like that particular recession for those that were in school at that time spawned a lot of digital marketers and SEOs. And uh, part of me wonders, like, why why that is? What is it about the the journalism profession that um, lends itself to digital marketing? I think um, when I don't know about you guys, but when SEO became more wider known across businesses everyone just thought oh that's just putting words on a page right it's all about keywords it's about blogs so i think if you were a writer you were like oh i can do this and this would be actually really interesting and you can get some really cool results from putting these words on a page so that that would be my sort of uh, instinct on that and then become if you like if you're kind of the journalist type person who really likes research and data obviously that comes into it a lot as well. I remember when the only sort of keyword tools were um, like Google Ads, Google AdWords and having, there when it used to allow you to put in three different and then mix all your keywords up for you and that kind of thing. And yeah, that level of research probably back then was kind of cool. Um, but as I say, I never got to actually be a journalist, so I don't really know what makes them tick so much. But yeah, I'd imagine the connection is just with words. <laughs> That makes sense. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. So you, you start off in digital marketing. You find that out of all of the potential things that you can do in digital marketing, SEO is your favorite and where you get the best best results. Um, you know, so in kind of uh, deep diving into your background uh, ahead of the episode, you've had a lot of different experiences. You've, you've been at a lot of different places. So um, I would say, tell us, you know, take us from your starting in SEO, uh, and I believe you started uh, at a law, was it a law firm, perhaps? Uh, and then you worked your way up to Holland, Holland and Barrett. Uh, I guess, tell us about all the, all that in between. Yeah, sure. So, um, so like I say, my first sort of taste of SEO was at a software company, and then I went on to um, work for a school, uh, but it was like it was a huge school. They were part of a trust that involved working with the university and football club. It was really cool. Um, and then I went on to a law, a law firm and um, I absolutely loved that role. It was uh, so 
the law firm were fantastic. They, at the time, they'd been doing a lot of traditional marketing. So they were really open to try these new digital techniques. Um, and we saw, we brought in a lot of measurement and they could see that actually the website was doing far more for them than they'd anticipated, especially with the, the digital work we were doing. So, yeah, that was really fun. Um, then I went on to a different law firm and got made redundant from them alongside about 20 other people. That's actually where I met Sarah. Um, so we worked together there. And um, yeah, from there, I went to just do some temp work as a content writer at an agency. Um, and that's where I met my husband. So that was a nice bit of serendipity. And from there, went to a another digital marketing agency and became, actually started there as an account manager, but within a very short amount of time, they, so they were like, you, you, you do SEO. Like, <laughs> you can actually be our head of SEO because you know more than anybody here. So um, that was, again, great. Got to test out lots of stuff, got to do lots of things myself. And I think that's where um, a lot of my uh, experience really grew because I think with SEO, I think everybody can talk about SEO and say this is best practice and uh, this is SEO. But until you've done it, you don't know if something works or not. Um, so, yeah, really, that was a fantastic job. Really love that. And um, I only really got tempted because we didn't really have any e-commerce clients and I really wanted to give that a go. I, um, yeah, I just, I just saw sort of sparkling lights really and thought this looks really exciting. Um, so I went to work for a bathroom company. That was really good. That was a really great way to start in SEO. It was sort of, um, in terms of size, it was probably several hundred people. Um, there was a lot on. They'd not really done that much SEO. Again, lots of opportunity and we did some really good things. Um, that looking uh, too great in terms of, uh, basically it was going down the pan. <laughs> The company has since, unfortunately, um, really, it was really sad. Lots of really great people there. Um, and I had already handed my notice in because I was going to go and work for Gymshark, which um, is sports fashion. I think, don't know if you guys have heard of them because I know they're quite big in the US. I, um, I and then, yeah. yeah, so I worked there. Oh, that's good. Worked there for, I think, about seven months, um, which isn't very long. Uh, there's several several reasons for leaving there, but it, part of it was actually the travel. So I lived in um, a place called Leicester at the time in the UK and Gymshark are in Solihull. And it's the kind of place where like, you can get at seven o'clock in the morning, like an hour-ish, then whatever time of the day you leave, it'll take two, three hours to get home. And I'd only recently got married. I just wasn't seeing my husband. And by the time I got home, I was just like, don't even talk to me. I'm so stressed and because of all the traffic. Um, and it wasn't, ironically, um, it wasn't, uh, my, my department wasn't very flexible in terms of working hours and um, working from home, uh, which I say is ironic because then obviously the whole of Gymsharks had to work from home because of the uh, pandemic. But um, I, yeah, and the reason I, I wouldn't have there for many places, uh, to be honest, because it's an amazing company, a fantastic company, um, but Holland and Barrett, are very clear my personal values um there's there was lots of opportunity to really develop the, the vegan presence digitally I'm, i am vegan and um the health and wellness of massive health and wellness fan 
So uh, yeah, and that, all the natural and organic products and things like that. It's literally it was literally my cup of tea. So um, yeah, that's where I am. Now. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you. You've been in a, a lot of different verticals, uh, right? So you've you've been marketing agency. You've done legal education. You did uh, e-commerce for a bathroom retailer. You've done uh, uh, clothing, uh, fitness, and now nutrition. What has been your favorite vertical? Um, that's a really good question. I so, I mean, definitely where I am now. It's it's a fa- it's fantastic, really really interesting. I mean, I was looking at some of the copy copy that we'd received today, and just reading it is interesting still to me. Um, but. So the the bathroom company was also interesting for me as well. I um, on the side I've got I'm a co-founder of um, another company which is uh, selling dried flowers and dried grasses, and so the interior design is kind of like one of my passions outside of work. Um, so yeah, anything interiors is really fun, and I the bathroom side of it obviously was uh, was really cool and a really good dip into that interiors world so that's a, that's a close second I'd say after Holland and Barrett. Would you say that uh you're now kind of in your I don't dream dream job I guess is this like the the best job you you feel like you've had or like your ideal job? Um I mean hopefully they're not listening because if <laughs> I say yes then they've just got me under their thumb then haven't they? Right yeah. <laughs> um to be honest, yeah, probably. I mean, the team are fantastic. I get to work with some really great people. The company's great. Um, in terms of working for a company, yeah, it's definitely been the best one I've worked and for. I promise there's a reason that I asked that. Um, and I'm trying to think of, of listeners, uh, you know, as you've kind of taken your career journey, um, how do you, you know, how do you feel like you got to a place where you were able to land your, your dream, your dream job, right? Um, and what advice would you give to other people about kind of finding their, finding their niche and finding their, um, a job where they're really happy? I think it's finding out, um, without sounding cheesy, what kind of person you are. So if you are a super technical SEO, for example, you're, probably absolutely love that if you're working for um, a really fast-paced agency where you're constantly doing migrations and things like that if you're a really creative SEO who loves doing sort of outreach and things like that again probably the same kind of thing where you're coming across lots of different things but I think it is like you say finding where you fit and what you enjoy the most and for me I love the variety of agency life and I think with e-commerce, there's, I don't think there's anything faster paced than e-commerce. But as long as <laughs> it's nice to see you nodding, Jeff. <laughs> as long as, um, go on. I was just say I've worked in e-commerce for a while and 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 love it. Like if I ever went back to anything, like I, I would look for an e-commerce in-house gig because I just think being able to like it's so competitive and it's so it is fast moving and. There's just so much more to a site compared to like a 30 page or hundred page site. That's like, depending on how many products you have, it's just, it's a very complex situation. And I think uh, it gives you, like, if you know what you're doing, gives you a competitive advantage against others that, that don't. So it's good. It's 
so nice with an e-commerce site to be able to equate to actual yep. dollars spent and not some conversion where you're maybe or maybe sure, maybe not sure yep. how many dollars how many dollars it's worth in terms of business revenue. E-commerce clears that right up. Yeah, I think for either like I think positive and negative, it's great, right? Because it's like if I did something and money went down, like I I, I earn that right you know even though it went down like if it went up like it's great i feel like i earned that and at least i can prove my worth at that point saying like hey i made a million dollars you could afford my salary <laughs> so yeah i think i think that's exactly it and i think with um with other roles say for example if you wanted to do b2b maybe you actually quite enjoy the like the, the solidness of that where things aren't constantly like they are with e-commerce so yeah, I think it's not very good advice probably, but I, I feel like knowing what you actually enjoy, you might think, oh yeah, e-commerce sounds like the best place. You guys have just said it's really a great thing to do, but it definitely wouldn't fit everybody. Um, so I think knowing what kind of person you are and what 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 you value most, I guess. So I'm going to switch gears just a little bit, and I'm going to give give you um, a little bit of a best best worst sort of um, sort of question. But I'll, I'm going to preface it by explaining kind of what kind of week I've I've had because it is really um, it is really a typical SEO. It's it's been a non typical week for me, but it is like just a microcosm into what it's like life as an SEO. Like some of the dramatic stuff that can happen uh, in this side on the the not great side. So I started my week early Monday morning by having a, a, a client uh, inadvertently, they, they weren't trying to do this, but they inadvertently de-indexed their entire site. Um, so that's how my week started, <laughs> which was a, a bit of a hair on fire sort of, sort of exercise to, to help them, uh, you know, and it wasn't that, a small client. Fixed. No, it was not a small client. It was not a small client at all. And the scary thing is their traffic almost went to zero. Just like like the kind that like you do not want executives to to see that. So luckily we got them fixed as soon as we discovered it. Uh, but it was, you know, just one of those things where the develop development team just so happened to push an update and the server started responding the wrong way. Uh, and the lesson learned is uh, if your server is getting overloaded, respond with a 503 status code. That will keep your site indexed. Do not respond with any 400 related status codes. That will de-index your site immediately. Uh, yeah, so we uh, unfortunately had to work through that situation. And then on Tuesday, uh, and, and this is bordering on, and I want to ask about this later with the pot, with the podcasting thing about kind of putting, you know, putting your, your business out there, uh, you know, but this is the reality of working at an agency, uh, sometimes is that you, you, you really have to bridge the gap with it, um, in, you know, I was faced with a situation this week where, uh, somebody's it more or less told us not directly but through our through our contacts that they believe that we're just kind of out to get ourselves paid which i mean i guess we're an agency so of course yes we want to make money 
Um, but if you're, you know, if you're ethical, of course, you're just trying to help your clients do well. Uh, and they're there. And I can attest like there's no, no malicious intent on my part, just trying to help my client not lose, uh, not lose money. And the other part of that is they were surprised to get any feedback about uh, about this particular particular site because they had been following the Google Quality Raiders guidelines document to a T. Um, not sure that that's going to work. Uh, that's how humans rate sites in the results, not necessarily like a best practices guide per se. Um, but that's what I was, that was my Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday through Friday have been a little bit better. Uh, but I just, but I did want to say, uh, and I did want to ask, so, so Hannah, um, I would, I would ask, uh, two sides of the coin. What has been the achievement for you as an SEO that you've been most proud of? And then what would be kind of your story that's more along the lines of like, man, this is what it's really like to be an SEO <laughs> on the ground, boots on the ground every day. I mean, first of all, I love your stories. I mean, what a, a roller coaster you've had this week. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I mean, let's start bad. I guess the worst for me is where you've been banging on about how if something isn't done, if Google decides to roll out an algorithm update, we're going to get slammed for that. And then that actually happening. Um, and then all you can do is be like, these 700 emails where I've been chasing you for this and how we've I've been saying this is what is going to happen but at the end of the day no one's more frustrated than you are because one you've not been listened to well enough and two it's you it's you who impact really everybody else might be like oh well yeah fair enough you're right but it doesn't actually fix anything it doesn't help um I mean it might make them do something after the fact but the fact that they've not listened um that has probably been worst experiences as an SEO. Um, I think in terms of the best, uh, a couple of those I'd rather be, yeah, have give you some more good ones. But it, one thing that springs to mind is where we um, work with, a, I worked with the developer very closely and he was fantastic. And we realized that we hadn't got any of the products on the site in the sitemap. Um, and then we just pressed a button and did it. And then literally everything just went like that. And it was beautiful. Um, and then the other, I think just working for an agency where you've got small clients who really actually, they open their eyes to the world of SEO, they love it. And they're just like, oh, I can do a bit of this. And you're just like, yes, you can. Um, and you can get some results that actually change people's lives, like business owners' lives for smaller companies. And that's really rewarding. Yeah, we've had a few, we've had a few people say that the, the thus far when it comes to um, because some of our some of our guests work on enterprise some are in-house but the few that have been like more specialized to small business almost to a t have really said it is so rewarding to help somebody who's you know just running their small business trying to trying to be viable trying to stay afloat to help them make revenue it probably seems like you know and I don't work too much with small businesses, but I can imagine that it would probably feel a lot better to help a small business make revenue than it does necessarily to contribute to the 1% increase of a major, you know, enterprise e-commerce conglomerate that like doesn't know that you exist, right? So you're much more critical to that small business 
small business owner. And I got to imagine that that feels really good. And Jeff, what were you about to say? I, I cut you off. Oh, no, I was going to have a follow-up question on all that. But um, so, I mean, I do have a follow-up and I am at one of those large conglomerates. So, uh, you know, I'll take that 1% traffic and <laughs> and brag about it. <laughs> um, but no, I totally feel like I, I've, I've, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, like place where I like got my coffee from, um, like I get fresh beans roasted from them. And, and it was like, I didn't want them to go out of business. So I did like an audit for them, helped them with their website a little bit. Um, I don't know if it helped any, like it's, it's kind of one of those things where the smaller your business, like the more the owner or the people who are running the business need to also do right. You think that you hire an SEO and you go into it and you're like, okay, well, here's all the things you need to do. Like, but I hired you to do all this. And it's like, well, I can't like write your story for you. I mean, I can interview you and do stuff, but I like need, like you still need to put in the work. And, and I think a lot of small businesses don't get that when they hire an SEO. Um, and some SEOs probably don't explain that in the very beginning, but, um, but I did have a question on, so in, in the SEO world or like most SEOs, like we're a curious bunch. We go into, like, I think it's what got us all into SEO, but so like, I know what I know, but there's those things out there that I'm curious about. Um, you know, I, I definitely want to get more into Python and get in more into machine learnings. What are some of the SEO things that like you're curious about that are not necessarily in your toolbox right now, but like you have your eye on it to be able to add that to the toolbox soon? Yeah, I mean, uh, my experience with log files is very limited and I feel almost ashamed to say that because I know how dramatically well yeah. how much of a difference it can make to a site so um yeah that is something that should be in my toolbox that isn't yeah. and they're, i think they're hard to get that's the thing so it's... <laughs> yeah yeah you're not kidding yeah um but yeah i think from my side i definitely started off in seo more the content side and the technical just came along and most of the technical definitely been self self-taught um so i've never really had anybody teach me technical so anything that i've learned i've had to learn myself and don't get me wrong i've loved learning it but yeah there are definitely technical parts of my toolbox that i'm missing i'd say and i think that's normal right um totally. i'm 15 years in jeff you're 20 plus years in and like there's still more to learn um i wish there i wish that you know we had the ability to just download it all and have it all like implanted in our brains. But there are like, there are so many tentacles of SEO now. Uh, it's not as simple as it, you know, as it was at one time. Um, and there are so many like amazing branches now of SEO that it, that it is yep. probably impossible to learn them, learn them all, uh, or learn them all well enough to, to master them. So I think it's really, um, it's a pretty normal thing to, have things kind of not necessarily in your wheelhouse or in your toolbox. And uh, I think every SEO would probably say the same thing. Um, it's just yeah, one of those, I mean, it, one of those things. Yeah. I mean, that's what, what keeps us going and what keeps us learning, right? It's yeah. I, I, the longer you're in this, the larger your toolbox is, but it's not like the internet's getting smaller. It's not like new technologies aren't coming up. I, I would, you know, it, it's funny. I, I just did a nodded for a, a complete Ajax or the React site, and it's like normally my number one recommendation would be like, 
get off of this platform right now. But it's like, but now we've, things have changed, right? So we've had to learn and go through and it's like, all right, like if we're going to do it this way, here are some things we can do. Um, you know, cause honestly, like sometimes I'm old and the like straight HTML is better for me. It's better for everyone, I think, but it's, you know, as a developer, you're like, not it's not better <laughs> so um so that's where it comes down to like oh, i'm glad google and, and bing but being able to show them like hey google sees it this way but bing does not because Bing's not as advanced as google um and just being able to show that to them like this is you could probably be gaining another like hundred thousand visitors a month if you just like kind of switch these things on and off um but so th- so that's what i like i love always learning and that's why i think i am on the technical side of seo is like i like to dig into all those um and i'm not very good at words so <laughs> <laughs> that's funny and it's ironic that you do a podcast <laughs> yeah that i'm not very good on so it's <laughs> Uh, but I haven't been fired yet. So that's great. Haven't been fired yet. So let's, uh, let's move on to the core topic. And again, we don't do a good job at the beginning of every episode. We just kind of get in and go of laying out the parameters of the episode. We always forget also to promote ourselves. So for those, uh, people that are kind of still listening, we have a YouTube channel, go subscribe, like whatever, uh, you know, whatever the kids say, uh, if you just listen to the audio version, of course, uh, you know, go subscribe. I believe you can actually subscribe uh, on just about any any app to to listen to us and yeah. get the. Uh, A lot of them are changing the wording. It's now follow. Now it's follow. So you can follow. So. <laughs> and, if, and, and if it still says subscribe, don't worry. You subscribe. Don't have to pay us any money to listen. You can listen for free. Um Anyways, but our next, uh, our core topic for this episode is going to be podcasting. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and we had that core topic a couple of weeks ago. We've been talking to a lot of SEO podcasters uh, recently, and um, I find it interesting. It's a little bit like the movie Inception. It's an SEO podcast within an SEO podcast. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, I, you know, I think we, you know, we talked about it from a, why do a podcast uh, you know, from an equipment setup uh, standpoint. And I think we might touch on some of that today, but I think we might also uh, approach it from a little bit of a, of a different angle, uh, especially, you know, with having somebody on uh, that is a veteran of a hundred podcast episodes. Uh, I definitely want to get into that. So Jeff, I'm going to kick it over to you uh, to ask all the fun podcast questions. Great. What's a podcast? Sorry, that was a bad joke. <laughs> um, so, I, so you and Sarah, which we've had on our show in the past, started the SAS SEO SAS podcast. Um, made it over a hundred episodes. It's great, um, but it's like I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. Like, how did you and Sarah meet, and then how did you decide to start a podcast together? Um, was it you know, Sarah's idea, your idea, or just together sitting around drinking some wine and saying? We should do this on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Sarah and I did work together briefly um, at one of the law firms that we used to work at. And, yeah, we met there, became really good friends and stayed in touch. And it was all Sarah's idea, to be honest. So she she is very much the kind of person who um, likes things like social media lots and like uh she's very she's very what's the word um 
what I was going to say effervescent, which isn't the right word, but Extro, I know what I mean. Extroverted, she's just, extroverted maybe. Yeah, she's just, she, she shines, do you know what I mean? And she, she could be in front of a camera, a microphone, anything, and she's just ridiculously likeable. Um, that of course she should have a podcast and now she has two. So it's, um, yeah, so she, she, to be honest, she badgered me to do it and I am less like Sarah. <laughs> so um, you're pro- my, my presence on social media is far more Instagram related and I'd much rather take pictures of landscapes than of myself. And um, I don't have a lot to say on Twitter because I'm not, I'm not that person. And I don't mind that. That's that's who I am. But the fact that she wanted me to join her was was cool. And we are, like I say, so ridiculously different that I sort of played the kind of serious person compared to Sarah's fun-loving uh, and sometimes daft personality. So yeah, that's that's where it came about. I'm not taking any credit for it whatsoever because, like I say, it was all Sarah's idea. Um, yeah. We all need a Sarah in our life. <laughs> we do. <laughs> so what were some of your favorite experiences? Um, so I, you've, you've left the podcast now after a hep, hundred episodes and, and get it, you know, work life balance, all, all that great stuff. But like, what were your, some of your favorite experiences when, when doing the podcast? Um, I think towards the beginning when we used to have sort of a, a quiz feature, well, we the, the quiz feature is still there, but um, we we used to do forfeits for those, and um, we used to actually meet in person to do the podcast. Uh, so we'd used to do sort of press ups or sit ups or like literally make the other one do some grueling kind of <laughs> forfeit at the end, and that was just really ridiculously fun. It was really again really daft, and you could hear us counting on on the podcast. But yeah, I think that's funny. Those just literally just me and Sarah having banter. Um, and don't get me wrong, we had some fantastic guests and Sarah will, I know, have continued to have many fantastic guests. But um, yeah, I think for me, I just really enjoyed the dance with her. <laughs> yeah, I think I was a victim of the quiz and um, <laughs> I don't know if I passed. I think she let me pass on a couple of the questions because it was like knowing what UK brands being from the States, oh she would give me a whole bunch of UK brands and I had to figure out what they were. That's and fun. some of them just sounded like the brand, like it would be, but it like other ones, I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, you did actually, I think, you way better it. than I did. Yeah, my, uh, it was a similar, like, UK-centric quiz for me, and I failed it so miserably, so miserably, and I just <laughs> felt like the epitome of a stupid American that doesn't know anything about other people's, uh, you know, countries, cultures, background, and I was like, that, that sucks. <laughs> I suck. <laughs> no, she didn't mean to make you feel like that. <laughs> no, it's a, no, oh, I, no, I know, I know she did it. I, I absolutely know that. And it just made me uh, very much aware of how little I actually know. Of course, you think you know stuff, but how little I actually know about day to day UK related, like commonly known things. Like the best yeah, time to have. We had the, the same thing. Yeah, the best time to have tea or anything tea related. Like, I don't think I've drank (laughs) tea in the last 20 years. (laughs) I don't know. I drink like Asian teas, green teas and things like that. There you go. You're more suited for the tea related questions. And I was. I don't know about the British teas. Yeah. (laughs) So 
what were some of the things like like I feel like I learn all the time from my from our guests and and uh, a lot of it's just like day to day things that like not necessarily SEO tactics because we're not that type of podcast to get deep into that but just like how people think and how they work and and actually some of their energy like as like I said with Sarah she has like this energy and it's like I, I get like energized after talking to some of our, our podcast guests what are some of the biggest things like you've learned or that you've taken away from doing the po- like over 100 episodes of a podcast um, I think I think just how different people are in SEO I don't think there's any two people the same and the, you, you'll have like you say the super technical people you'll have people who are really logical um where what they can say i mean we've interviewed some people where i've not really understood what they're going on about and <laughs> it's not because i know nothing about seo but it's also not because talking ridiculously high it's just that it's gone way over my head do you know what i mean so yeah. I think there's gonna there's always gonna be people who will have that granular level of detail and I think just that's just how different it is. Whereas you'll have other people who are so used to explaining things to anybody, um, where you can literally just talk and talk and almost just be like, Yes, exactly the whole way through and yeah, I think the the different personalities within SEO but also the uh, the different skill sets I think is what of my eyes have been open to most. So that brings uh, brings up a good point because that's happened here. And you'll see Jeff and us shaking our heads like we understand. And in our heads, we're going, I have no fucking clue what that person is talking about, but I'm trying <laughs> to sound smart. So oh, yeah. almost every episode and maybe not so much lately, but especially early on in last season, a little bit this season, we talk about imposter syndrome. Um, so being now a podcast veteran, uh, and especially in light of that answer, um, what are, what are your thoughts on imposter syndrome? Um, like I think, like you guys said earlier, nobody knows everything, and I think if you get to the point where you're actually fine with that, you're fine with knowing what you do know, and keeping learning, and but being just happy to be able to say, do you know what, it's not my area of expertise. I'm not quite sure on that. I think that's where hopefully a lot of people are and should, if not, that's probably the best place for them to try to get to. But I think it's also incredibly natural to have imposter syndrome as an SEO because none of us can see inside of Google. None of us will ever know what's going to happen next. So nobody can ever say with any level of certainty, this is 100% correct. I am definitely not wrong. I know everything here. It's just the industry. It's impossible to know everything. So if, you, if, if somebody hasn't got a tiny bit of imposter syndrome, they're probably a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the best I can say is John Mueller once liked my tweet. <laughs> that's, I feel like that's my, my claim, claim to fame. Uh, yeah, no, I feel imposter, imposter syndrome all the time. Um, I feel it sometimes doing this, this podcast, every time I open up Twitter and see some of the things that people are doing in this industry, I immediately take it as, why am I not doing this? Uh, and then I stop and I realize, look, Jake, you work a full-time, full-time job. You've got three kids under seven. I don't know what other people's situation 
is, but if it's anything remotely like mine and they're going above and still like producing the work that they're doing, like God bless them. I can't keep up. And I've realized it's not a reasonable ask of myself to be able to keep up with some people. Some people are superhuman, but then I know that there are other people that aren't in my situation. Maybe they have a different situation. They don't, for example, I have kids taking up all of their, all of their time. Uh, maybe they have more time. So I try to like give myself that out and that makes me feel better, but I'm not going to lie. Every time I open up Twitter, almost every time reading through the smart things that people are doing and saying, it gives me anxiety and imposter syndrome. Um, and I've been doing, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I do my best to, to, to manage it, but it's, um, you know, as somebody that is kind of leaned that way and felt that way throughout my life about other things outside of just SEO, um, it can be a bear to, to manage. Maybe, maybe even bordering. Those... On, yeah. Sorry. I was going to say maybe even bordering on like self-confidence, right. And in, in figuring out how to be comfortable in your own, in your own skin. Do you know what? That's really weird. You just finished on that. Cause I was going to say, it's almost to me a bit like, do you know how people take selfies of their body? And if you tense your, your stomach muscles really hard, you can maybe see like the outline of a six pack. It's that trying to compare yourself with people. And if you are the kind of person who has got, they've, they've discovered something amazing or something really helpful and they've shared it on Twitter. We all love those people. They're wonderful. You know what I mean? It's great, but you shouldn't, nobody should ever feel bad for not being that kind of person. Yeah, if you can celebrate them, if you can like their tweets, that's valuable. You're encouraging them to continue sharing these all, this awesome stuff. But um, it's almost like, seeing that person on Instagram with their six pack. It's like, if they're doing that to be inspirational and you can see they're working really hard and you can admire them, wonderful. But if, you, if you're just putting it out there to be like, look at me, I'm wonderful. That's not helpful to anybody. And I think trying to relate that back to imposter syndrome, I know I've gone off on a tangent slightly, but if you were trying to pretend you'd got this six pack going on and you'd not, fair enough, you are being an imposter. But actually, if you're saying... I've not got a six pack, but I'm actually working really hard on my body and to feel good and to look good and all that kind of stuff. That's different. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's probably what we're all doing with SEO. Well, not all people like me are doing with SEO is I've got a relatively good level of health and I'm trying to stay fit. And that's how I am with SEO. I've got a relatively good knowledge of it. I'm trying to keep up to date with everything SEO, but there's no way I've got a sick with SEO. Yeah. So I also wanted, you brought up another interesting point. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it on the, the, the podcast theme here. Um, I'm an introvert, Jeff, you're probably an introvert, right? Would you, would you classify yourself that way? Yeah, for the most part. And Hannah, you're an introvert. Now you had an extroverted uh, partner that I, that I think you would say probably drew something out of you. And I would say that like maybe on this podcast, like I don't know how people would characterize me, but people might characterize me more of an extrovert. I can promise you I'm I'm an introvert by nature. So uh, the other fun <laughs> the other funny thing is uh, we've also heard that though a comment it wasn't directed at us. Maybe it was. Maybe it was a subtweet. Those that can't do podcast <laughs> podcast. Um, so I would say like. 
this is a bit of a two-part question. You know, how did you make it as an introverted person to a hundred episodes? Uh, and do you ever worry that sometimes the thoughts that you put out there as a podcaster, you're creating content, you're, you're sharing your perspective all of the time. Uh, do you ever worry that there might be a time when you might be off or that your, your comments may come back to bite you? There are times when I personally worry if I share too much about what's going on at, at work, I try to keep it vague, but I'm sure there are times when it may be to the point of oversharing and somebody might want to come and hit me in the head, but I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on those types of types of scenarios? Um, well, well, firstly, I don't, I personally don't really identify as extrovert or introvert. I think I'm definitely both in different situations. So, I mean, on the podcast, Sarah was definitely more extroverted than I am. Um, but I would say in some cases I am more confident do you know what I mean? So take introvert or extrovert from that. It's a different, it depends what you do with class is introverted or extroverted. But I think from an imposter syndrome point of view, from um, being worried about what you're actually saying and what you're putting out there, I think, again, it's perfectly normal because with SEO, different things can work something might have worked for you for me five years ago but not be relevant now and I remember having a, a conversation with an absolute expert in canonicals and them saying this is the way of doing things and me being like I've I do it the way that you say you shouldn't do it and I admitted that on the podcast so probably it's going to make me sound like an absolute fool because I'm giving advice to a lot of people or putting my words out there meant to be helpful and I openly admitting that oh, I do it the wrong way. Um, but I think at the end of the day, that this is what we are doing. That's exactly hits the nail on the head. We we aren't doing a podcast to listen to our own voices. Nobody's sat in their car listening to the, the podcast about being like, my voice is so wonderful. We're trying to be helpful to people, people who like to consume SEO advice and industries and information via podcasts. We're not, well, I, I'm not speaking for everybody, but yeah, it, it, it's not just to um, pat ourselves on the back and say we know everything. We are genuinely trying to deliver a good service to people and <laughs> be helpful. So if people have an issue with that, if people say, "You, Hannah, you're wrong, fine, I probably am. That's not our problem. But hopefully some people actually take value in what I'm saying. So I'm, I'm not too worried. And I think that's probably what got us to 100 episodes, me and Sarah, because yeah. we would both sort of say that's that's our understanding and sometimes we'd go through a podcast and be like hang on a minute is that right um and it'd be like well if it's not people can tell us it's fine seo is constantly changing and yeah you've just i think you've just got to bite the bullet and that's obviously what you guys are doing as well putting your thoughts out there and if people take yeah any issue that's their problem really right and and if anything it's like not necessarily like i mean i i guarantee anything that you might have been wrong on the concepts were right it might have just been something small or maybe it's it's one of those it depends seo answers because yeah. what's right for me isn't right for other people and you know it's like i've i've gone through websites where i've 
probably blocked half of a website on purpose and it probably wouldn't be right for your website, but it was right for ours and, and things like that. So, um, so I, I, yeah, if someone called me out on like, you shouldn't have done that in there and it's like, well, that, nothing is permanent and everything is, um, you know, we're learning from, and, and if I have data that backs something up that I did, that was great. Awesome. But then again, there's plenty of times I've implemented things and the data said, maybe you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> so, um, and, and I think that's like, there's people out there that have their opinions and um, maybe not have fact also. And, and if it was someone like John Mueller telling me I was wrong, then I would like definitely listen. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but when it's someone, you know, and, and I'm not a person who chases Twitter followers, but it's someone who's like, has still has an egg as a Twitter follower you know, or Twitter um, profile picture and has like three followers. Like maybe you're not the one I'm going to like worry about as much. So, so what was, part of your decision to step down from, you know, and move on from the, the SEO SAS podcast. I mean, was it Sarah? You could say it was Sarah. <laughs> it was definitely Sarah. All right. No. <laughs> um, I think, uh, so I think the pandemic, to be honest, had um, for me really amplified that I wasn't having much quality time um, with my family, with my husband and, it got to the point where I was, I'd only recently started at Holland and Barrett and I was in the phase where I was kind of like, I must do everything now. And I was overworking um, and um, alongside that, we'd only recently, me, me and a couple of others had recently set up this side hustle business. Um, we, and we were also in the process of trying to, move um move country actually so we moved up to there was just a lot going on and obviously having um been friends with sarah for years having done the podcast for two and a half years and now working together it was kind of the only time i was ever actually speaking to sarah was for work or for podcast and i didn't like that because we weren't talking as friends much anymore and her friendship is massively important to me so I just said to, it got to the point where I was like something's got to give um and for me it's the podcast because I feel like as much as I loved doing it it the main reason for me for doing it still was probably to, to do it with Sarah and to spend the time with Sarah I sound like I'm in love with the girl now but um but yeah it was never for me it was are. never I <laughs> I know. Uh, we ne I never was sort of like wanted to make money from it or um, to, I don't know, become like a really good speaker or anything like that. It was it was fun. And I, like I say, I hope I've helped people with delivering some value and some they've found it interesting and found what I've had to say interesting. Um, but other than that, I wasn't never ambitious to to grow it into anything and I didn't want to hold Sarah back and I now I, I know that actually me stepping has actually helped her to open more doors so yeah, I know there's going to be very, some very exciting stuff happening from her side so yeah it's, I think it's probably the best decision for both of us. Nice if you were to start another podcast what would it be on? Would it be on SEO or would it be, um, I see on your Twitter account that you're a mountain lover. Would it be about mountain life or something? Cats, maybe. Veganism. Cats, veganism, health. All of those things. Yeah, definitely. Vegan, vegan mountains and cats. Yeah. Um, 
No, I, I don't. I don't know. To be honest with you, I think. I mean, mountains are so ridiculously easy to talk about because yeah. they are exciting and fun, and there's so many different stories of almost dying on them. Um, maybe, maybe that, maybe that. Wait, you have personal stories about almost dying on mountains, or just other other people? You? Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I have to. I have to ask. I can't not ask about that. Yeah. That's just like a random thing. <laughs> Um, well, just just getting caught in in bad conditions, really, and not being prepared, which is very very bad, um, and not something that I should say is a good yeah. thing to do. But Our biggest mountain you've climbed. Sorry, this is now a mountain climbing <laughs> podcast. Biggest mountain. Biggest mountain. Mountain you've SOS climbed. podcast. <laughs> yes. Oh, amazing! Yeah, I love that. Um, not even that high. Ben McDewey in Scotland, which is the second biggest one in the UK. So um, I have done that one twice, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've uh, I've read a lot you of the Mount, the Mount Everest stories. That shit is scary, man. I, I I'm not going mountain climbing anytime anytime soon. That's scary. Yeah, I would, I'd never do Everest because it's not. I don't think it's not place to go for a fun day out if you want to go and stand in a queue all day yeah go on everest if you want to go and have a fun day out go on one of the ones next to it do you know what i mean but yeah yeah, yeah we were going to do um one one very close to the matterhorn last year but obviously the pandemic stopped us going to switzerland um that would have been the highest one but uh yeah we um when we, me and my husband first started climbing mountains we we definitely were a little bit naive um and didn't take like like a tent in case you got caught and had to sleep overnight or um, I, my first um, time where we literally got lost and badly I was just wearing leggings which just like tights and not yeah <laughs> not even waterproof so yeah. yeah we've learned a lot since then my favorite mountain is the type I can drive up and stay in a cabin and just look out the really mountains cool. and then get back in the car and drive back down Oh yeah, you got it. At least you appreciate them, though. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, totally. I, I was just up in the Blue Ridge Mountains down here in in the southern part of the United States, and um, they're nothing like the Rocky Mountains out in Colorado or or any like large ones. But when you're in them, it feels to me it feels the same almost, um, except you can breathe a little easier when you're only like three or four thousand feet up and not like eleven. Well, I'm not sure how it goes to meters, but um, well, you know, in Colorado, <laughs> some of those the Rocky Mountains are super tall, like. And just starting off, you're like at a super high, you're, you know, over a mile high on, on those. So um, it's interesting. Uh, I, I do appreciate them. I just, I'm not a winter fan. So mountains in the summer are my thing. <laughs> um, Amazing. You know, yeah. But yeah, not a, but yeah, I'm not the type who like to trek through snow. My, uh, oh, I was going to say my favorite mountain, quite honestly, are the ones in a Bob Ross painting. Yeah. <laughs> the happy mountains. The happy mountains. <laughs> um, so I guess one last question, then we'll go into Twitter questions. But uh, besides, you know, the SEO SAS and page two podcast, what are some other podcasts that you like to listen to? And, and they don't have to be SEO related. Just are, you know, are you a fan of other podcasts or, you know, or is it one of those where you did it, but you don't listen to any other types, which is totally fine. The, the so the other one that I tend to listen to is the Azim Digital Ass podcast. Um, I don't know if you guys have listened to that, but I genuinely yeah. just adore Azim. He's 
he's hilarious he's he's got a very dry humor um but he's also covers some amazing hard-hitting topics um and raises some awareness of some awesome topics as well like he's the kind of person who honestly is made for podcasting because you can it's just you can't listen to an episode and not admire the hell out of him do you know what i mean he's just he's brilliant i absolutely love the guy so yeah i'd happily listen to his podcast on repeat um yeah that Stunning. other than that i'll be honest with you i hardly listen to it i listen to i've listened to several of your guys i've obviously continuing to listen to SOSES. i've listened to some of sarah's lipstick podcasts um yeah that's that's it roller derby the uh, uh fun, <laughs> yeah. fun, fun fact and this is a, a sneak peek at the upcoming at an upcoming episode so azim is going to be our finale episode he'll be episode 75 so we have him uh have him booked we'll be talking to him in april so we are i've never met him i've only talked Anything. to him through twitter nice. uh have listened to a couple of his episodes uh but yeah that's coming up so something uh for listeners to to look forward to we're gonna merge another digital marketing podcast uh seo podcast uh yeah excellent all right so let's uh well one final question uh on on podcasting uh you know, having been a veteran now, uh, part of podcasting, of course, is the talking, the creating of the content. Is there anything that you experienced behind the scenes, ranging from equipment to promotion to editing, like any of the background work where you would have any advice advice for maybe somebody starting up uh, a new podcast? Um, so my side of things was more um, the planning so what we were actually going to talk about, what we were going to say. And I think definitely don't script it because that doesn't work. Um, but the more prepared that you can be with topics, the better. Because then if you end up going off on tangents, if you end up um, just getting really stuck into one topic, that's absolutely great. It's really natural. But sometimes you do need the structure there because otherwise one person will just blather on for ages, be it me or Sarah in my experience um and then you kind of <laughs> you kind of lose the uh the track of exactly what you actually wanted to say and before you know it you're almost an hour in and you've not actually got to the really interesting or juicy bits so yeah from my advice would be to make sure that you've actually structured it and formatted it and planned it um without like i say going to as far as scripting it yeah the planning definitely takes a lot of time and it's an underrated aspect of uh of organizing uh organizing a podcast um all right so let's you pl- you plan for this podcast <laughs> right i'm right. kidding <laughs> yeah yeah we don't plan we don't plan at all um all right so let's move on to twitter questions so we have four twitter questions this week uh and uh i actually got a, a secret twitter question added uh, during this interview uh, that Hannah, maybe you're not expecting. I'm excited for you to answer it. Um, so first question comes from Kyle Rose at Rose KW. Uh, so we'll, we, we will ask the full question. We probably can't give an answer to the full question. You'll know why in a minute. Uh, so Holland and Barrett has over 1000 stores and is in multiple countries. What SEO tips and tricks have been used to navigate through harder countries? Uh, what type of success have you found in China? Have you ever used WeChat to penetrate the market? Um, so on, on that one, um, there are quite lots of the countries that Holland and Barrett 
um, operates in that are franchises. So China, for example, I don't have any experience with the China side of things. Um, the ones that I do work with internationally, it, unfortunately, it's going to be a really boring SEO answer where it literally is make, doing things like making sure that your hreflang is as solid as it can be. Obviously, again, that's one of those things that um, there's a lot of debate around. Like, for example, do you, do you need return tags and that kind of thing? But it, yeah, it's getting it as good as you do. And without being a hypocrite, I don't think ours is spot on yet. Um, in some cases, I mean, it's 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 in a good place, I would say. But uh, yeah, I think boring SEO answer is going to be get your hreflang as well as you as good as you can. All right. So next question. Also, I forgot to mention uh, the winner of best question, as picked by Hannah, uh, will get uh, Page Two Podcast merchandise. Totally forgot to mention that, uh, and we uh, pick a winner every week. So next question comes from former. Uh, page two podcast guest in season two, Angela Bergman, uh, current search discovery. So see how that worked out. Uh, one of our guests actually now works at search discovery. Uh, and we interviewed her before uh, she became a teammate. Uh, she's awesome. So Angela Bergman at Rad Kitten, uh, what do you think is the most important asset an SEO should possess? What is your, I will die on this hill SEO thing, or at least one of them? I love that phrase, I will die on this hill. <laughs> um, yeah, wonderful question. And um, it definitely is uh, collaboration because the reason that I think SEO is the most important aspect of digital marketing is because it does work so well with every single other aspect of digital marketing. And without it, those things don't work as hard. And it's the thing that keeps it all together in my opinion and experience so um yeah i think my die on the hill thing would be to make sure that seo is understood by other departments other areas of the business um, and is definitely needed to be part of especially for the with an e-commerce company part of marketing and e-commerce all right question number three comes from uh, Wade Saunders at Heels Four Corners. Uh, how long until you think Google goes for the mobile-only indexing? So, I was asking is just does away with the desktop index altogether, and it's just mobile indexing and only focusing on mobile. If you'd have said that before the pandemic, I'd have said really soon. But actually, I think because a lot of people, a lot more people are at home all day on their laptops and are doing physically two meetings and using tablets and phones there. I, I wonder if desktop actually has had a tiny bit of a resurgence recently. Um, but yeah, I don't personally don't see Google doing it in the next few years. I'd say five to 10 as a stab in the dark. I would say as long as there's desktops. It's like that voice search. When is voice search gonna gonna take over the world? It isn't. <laughs> uh, all right. 
So here is the late addition to the Twitter questions, and I may or may not have, but definitely did send a slide into Sarah's DMs to ask her to ask you a question. So uh, this is going to be a good one from your former partner, Sarah McDowell, at Sarah McDuck, Duke, D-U-K, on Twitter. What is it like working with me at uh, H&B, so Holland and Barrett, or pieces of best advice you received regarding SEO or not? And I'm going to ask the second question in a minute after you answer the first. So what is it like? That's greedy, give him two. Yeah, what's it like working with with Sarah? Um, (laughs) So I would say it's wonderful and challenging at the same time because... Uh, So challenging because we are such good friends and I used to being incredibly direct with Sarah um, and honest and something probably, I probably forget that it works sometimes and I should be in boss mode where I'm like being a bit more subtle. Um, And yeah, I think that's the challenging side for me. I I need to sometimes see her as a, a team member less of a friend at work. Um, but the, the wonderful part is I get to work with one of my best friends in the world. She is just as brilliant as she is in, on the podcast in real life. Every, like I say, you can't not love Sarah. I don't know anybody who, she's like a puppy. Do you know what I mean? You couldn't not love her. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an absolute honor to have her as part of my team. And I did have to twist her arm to come and join me. Um, yeah, wonderful. And second part of the question is ice cream acceptable all year round vegan of course and she said winking winking face so is ice cream acceptable all year round absolutely yeah especially if you live in scotland because apparently it's colder up here so is there some sort of like ice ice cream related obsession that we're just uh maybe not maybe not aware of here no, I think that's just some randomness from Sarah. Okay. All right. Some randomness. All right. <laughs> All right. I thought maybe there was like an inside ice ice cream related, uh, related uh, ongoing, ongoing joke. Um, All right. So who wins best question of the week? So we've got Kyle with the uh, Holland and Barrett and China related question. We've got Angela with the what hill would you die on question. We've got Wade. Uh, with the mobile only indexing. And of course, we've got uh, Sarah sliding in uh, and giving us an awesome question at the last second. Um, (laughs) I think I'll be really mean if I don't say Sarah. All right. So Sarah, you are the new owner of some awesome page two podcast swag. So we are going to be getting back in touch with you. Uh, and you're about to, to have some swag coming your way. Uh, so uh, everybody else, uh, again, I know Wade has asked a, uh, a ton of questions over time. I keep telling him, Wade, eventually you're going to win one. Just keep, a- <laughs> just keep asking. Um, I really appreciate the questions uh, each week as they, you know, as they come in from listeners across kind of our entire audience. We really appreciate it. It's probably our favorite, uh, favorite segment. It's definitely, I think, something that's going to kind of stay around uh, into, into next season. So Jeff, uh, do you want to kind of take us to the end of the episode? Sure. So we ask all our guests this one final question and it is what words of advice 
would you give to a person just getting into SEO? Um, give all of it a try. Work, yeah. Don't get stuck up on one thing. So, for example, if you think that um, what you really like about SEO is the keyword research and having big changes from metadata, make sure you definitely give the other areas a go as well because you might find that there's an aspect of it that you didn't even realize you're awesome at or that you love because you've never tried it. So, yeah, try it all. That's great. Great advice. Excellent advice. Advice to live by. Try a little bit of everything. Uh, so, Hannah, where can people find you? Um, so... No, I am. Um, do, do you even handle. want people? I was going to say, do you, you, you even I know, want right? people to find you? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you can, you can speak to me. To be honest with you, I do get some messages on LinkedIn and I'm a definitely LinkedIn platform user. I know it's not the most popular, but people will ask me advice on there and you're more than welcome to um, anybody. So just Hannah Bryce, SEO manager at Holland & Barrett on LinkedIn. Um, and I am now Branch Hyena on um, Twitter because that's an anagram of my name. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask about the the hyena part of your of your new Twitter handle. I thought that was pretty, pretty funny. I thought maybe like, is it a Lion King reference? I don't know. But yeah. All right. So <laughs> that makes sense. It's an anagram. All right. Mystery solved. Uh, all right, uh, Hannah, thank you so much for, for coming on. It was yes, our pleasure. Uh, we were very happy to kind of come full circle and uh, in, and make the, the connection uh, all around. Uh, and for you listeners, you know, we turn our editing around really, really quickly. So this episode, of course, is going to go live next week. So of course, have a great week. We've got five more episodes coming. We've got some great guests. I'm just going to name them off. Uh, so we've got Alina Benny, we've got uh, Kevin Indig, uh, Chima Mumichi. I know I'm pronouncing her name wrong, and she's probably going to hit me in the head when she actually tells me the proper way to pronounce her name. We've got Dawn Anderson coming on for episode 74. And of course, uh, for our finale, we've got Azim Ahmed. Of course, uh, you know him as Azim Digital. Uh, so those are the last five episodes for uh, for this season. So it's going to be a great, uh, a great lineup. But like I said, Hannah, thank you so much for, for joining us. And it was another great episode as always. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you guys and a lovely way to spend my Friday night. So thank you. Yes. Thank you for staying on that cannot be underrated. This is our afternoon. It's your Friday night. We really appreciate that. Have a great weekend. You too. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Page 2 Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to new episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, CastBox, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Additionally, you can also listen and watch our show on our YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook. If you'd like to get in touch with us, contact us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing.